Hello. 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 This is all it's going to be. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's all right. Can you hear me? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like the two naughty people have been left to do something by themselves. Oh, I know. There isn't anyone to tell us you can't say that. Exactly. We've got no, we've got no, like, grown-ups. I'm just being your glamorous assistant. Are you being my Debbie McGee? Exactly, Paul Daniels. But don't you go <laughs> pulling a rabbit out of my hat. I think that's the bleeper now, isn't it? Hear me this. A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Hello and welcome to Here Read This, which normally features four hosts, two books, and one book chat. But this month we're back and doing it slightly differently. So this month it's just Simon and I. Hello, Simon. Hello, Rob. And we're going to be talking about the... Now, Simon's described it as the Marmite book that is A Little Life. I think I really want to say the absolute sensation that is is A Little Life. Now, already we're getting into a slight argument about this, but... uh, Simon and I read this, we actually read this a while ago, a couple of months ago. I read it back in May. I read it August, September time, I think it was. So my, my memory is possibly a little hazy about it, but it's, uh, I think, yeah, you can call it the sensation book. It's uh, been up for a number of awards, it's certainly been discussed, but I think you and I are going to come at this from slightly different angles. We are, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do a quick recap of the the plot of all, not um, all the 700 pages. I can't really do that because I've not got it in front of me, which is really helpful. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for bringing that up, Rob. Right, neither do I. <laughs> oh, okay, this is going so well. Do you know what it is? It's basically uh, Gavin and Kate, who are normally on the show, who Kate co-hosts Adventures with Words with Rob, and Gav used to be my co-host on The Readers. Um, we, they're normally like the grown-ups and the sensible ones who keep us in line, so this could all go horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. It's basically, the, uh, I think the easiest way to describe it is, it is a story, you think it's going to start off as a story of four friends in New York, uh, and it then becomes uh, something rather different, uh, mainly focusing on Jude and his rather unfortunate life. Is that, is that the best way of describing it? I would. I think it's quite impressive. You've reduced 700 words. 700 words, no. 700 pages <laughs> to two sentences. That's beautiful. Well, it could be also a lot shorter book, in my opinion. But anyway. My <sighs> well, basically, might be- I'm going to say it's a book about four friends, like Rob said. You've got um, Willem, who's an aspiring actor at the start. You've got JB, who is a painter who wants to become super-duper famous. Malcolm, mm-hmm. an architect. And then you've got Jude, who's the kind of enigma in the friendship group. And like Rob was saying, it's this book that starts where you think it's going to be very much about these four friends and what happens to them after college, which actually... I was worried about because that would be my idea of a book from hell. Um, oh, right. And not, then not it twists. And I think it's, I'm trying to think how many pages in it twists. It's about 100 and something, maybe 200. Where yeah, suddenly you, you realise yeah. this is going to be a book about Jude. You, you kind of get an inkling that something's something's coming. But it's interesting because for me, I thought this was going to be right up my street. I've, I've read a lot of American fiction. You know, there's always this thing about the great American novel and I was quite interested in this. It, it started off ticking a few boxes for me and then, which is why I was probably so enthusiastic about this, like you start with, but then it kind of, my opinion kind of changes later on. But yeah, you kind of, 
it's it's a, it's a couple, about a hundred or so pages in where you start to realise quite where this is going. You've got a few hints that something's wrong with Jude, and even his even the, the four of them, the three, the other three, sorry, don't know all about his past, and it's kind of you're kind of drip fed, in it, aren't you, in a way? Well, and then you find re- he doesn't want to talk about it. That's all you ever get is that yeah. he, he doesn't. And actually, that's kind of what the whole book is sort of about: is miscommunication, or is there a point in a friendship where? If you don't tell somebody something within that certain amount of time, you're never going to tell them. Mm. Yeah, and I kind of thought they kind of become a family together because Jude hasn't really got any other family outside other than uh, Harold and I can't remember the other name now. Yeah, and you kind of, you're what you're left wondering almost as much as um, Willem, JB and Alcum are. What's up with Jude? And then there's sort of a a reveal and you you kind of learn a lot more about Jude well, all you know initially is that he's um, he's got disabilities. His mm. body has clearly been through something pretty traumatic. But then as it goes on, you realise that there's a lot more going on mentally and psycholo- psychologically and emotionally with him. Um, and also he's um, how he deals with things. And actually, we should say, if you haven't read the book, it does contain quite a few trigger subjects. So yeah. we should kind of pre-warn people, and actually that we are probably going to give quite a lot of spoilers away as we go, because you can't not, if because I can imagine some of the bits at the end are where mm. Rob's going to have quite a few issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so if you have any issue with trigger subjects, such as um, child abuse or self-harm or anything like that, you might not want to listen slash read the book. Um, if you've read it, then fine it's game on we're ready to do spoilers um, and if you want to read it and you haven't yet which i think there are still maybe a couple of people that haven't read it i don't think there's that many um then come back to it once you've read it yeah i mean i think we're gonna have to talk about quite a lot of the plot really uh, if we're gonna yeah. have any sort of discussion about this yeah. so um but i just thought i'd say that because otherwise if suddenly yeah, of course. say and then Absolutely. this happened <laughs> <laughs> and somebody's on page 305, they'll be like, well, mm, you savage. <laughs> so I was, I'm quite interested in our different points of view about this one. Well, I think it's interesting that we started from different points of view. Yeah, I, I, beginning. yeah. So, I mean, you've been very enthusiastic about this. I think you even called it your book of the decade. It could be one of my books of the decade. Ah, could be, right. Because if I, I was like, mm-hmm, right, I think we're going to talk about that. I started off this, um, there's actually a group of us at work who all, who all seem to have started reading accidentally at the same time. And we were talking about this on Twitter. And I started off going into it quite enthusiastic about this. Like I said, um, I was all in for the four friends in New York sort of living and graduating from... Uh, uni or college, whatever they call it, and trying to find their place in the world. I was quite up for that. And then I slowly started, my opinion slowly started to shift towards the end. I was like, I was actually laughing at the book because I think it took one too many, you know, it was trying to leaps of, not leaps of faith, but, you know, I had to suspend my disbelief quite a bit. So that was kind of how I progressed through the book. By the end, I just thought, oh, this really isn't, very good. Had you started reading it when people had been hyping it a lot? Because it was interesting for me. I started it back in beginning of May, end of April, beginning of May. Um, in fact, it was the May Bank holiday, the first May Bank holiday that we had in the UK. Um, and I read it over three days. 
and I didn't know very much about it other than the proof copy I got was massive and had loads of quotes on the front about how amazing the book was, which I ignored. Um, and I wasn't sure, and I was kind of like, I get the feel. You know when you sometimes feel like a book's mm. going to be really big? Yeah. Um, and so you're like, well, I'll give it a whirl. So I did. And I have to say, for the first 150 pages, I thought it was all right. I was just like, mmm. And then as I realised Jude's story was going to get darker, I got more... Not more into it because of it being darker, but I got... There's a kind of... um, For me, there was a kind of work out the mystery element, work out what's happened, work out what I need to know. Captain Guessington, me, (laughs) started, which doesn't normally happen. Rob's normally Captain Guessington. Um started to kind of get involved in that element I w- if it had been just about college I would have just been like oh I've been this off and also I don't I'm not famous for like in New York novels particularly um, mm. so those elements kind of probably actually really lowered my expectations of what I thought would happen but then as it went on and I got more swept up into Jude's life and all the stuff he was going through but particularly that that sort of theme throughout of the fact that friends sometimes don't talk about the things they should and sometimes you miss that opportunity to talk about some of the things that you might want to have talked about in your past or things like that because I've had there was something that happened in my childhood that if I tell my friends about who I've known for ages they're all really shocked because I just don't talk about it but if it comes up in conversation I drop it out I'm not like I'm not comparing myself to Jude because Jude has been through it like I didn't go through anything like childhood abuse but I found my stepdad dead but as soon as people hear that, they're like, what? Especially when I talk about circumstances, which I went on here, because my mum will be furious. Um, but um, it's, it's interesting for me that, that I think that chimed with something within me that I hadn't read anywhere. Does that yeah, make sense? No, yeah. Well, I mean, going back to what you said, I, I, did I know about the book? I got the same proof as you. So I had it was covered in you know plaudits. And even comparing it to The Goldfinch, which is actually one of my favourite books of... Last year, year before, and I and I didn't know a great deal about it. I actually, because it was almost such a plain cover and from an author I'd never really heard of, I didn't really know what to expect. And I think, like you, I I was interested. And the first bit obviously was a bit more up my street than yours. And then I uh, felt the first bit was a bit more pedestrian, which sounds really odd. Well, I think that's kind of I don't know because it kind of then then I was like, oh, um, I do want to find out what's up with Jude, and I. I had an inkling, I think, obviously not to the extent, because that's the one thing I want to get to, is like how utterly ludicrous Jude's life becomes. But, yeah, and I, but then I think about halfway and edging towards three quarters, I was thinking, you know, yeah, this is, this is good. And I, I did read it quite quickly. I was, for quite a big book, actually, I think I read it quite quickly. Um, I think it is a book that does drag you in pretty fast. And I don't, do you know what, I, I still can't quite decide how it does it. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think, I think the book has problems on an, in a, you know, and I'd be interested to see, hear what you think, but I think that it does draw you in, but then you kind of, you feel, you feel a bit compelled to finish it because you want to find out what happens at the end. But I, towards the end, it became a bit of a slog, became a bit of a chore, and I, I think it could, it could have done with a few edits. It could, I think it could be a bit shorter and it wouldn't, it would actually be a better book. Mm, you see, it's an interesting one because if it was probably, if it had been written by a lot of other authors, I would probably agree. However, I think there's a certain energy that the book has. And, and it's interesting because I come from a slightly different place in the fact that since I've read this book and since it had such a big kind of effect on me and since it became a book that I felt I'd lived through a little bit, which is, I think is another reason why I, 
it sort of resonated with me so much. I felt like I knew these four people. I felt like I'd been with them throughout. I felt almost like a fifth person in that friendship group, even though I wasn't, and even though there's never a fifth one mentioned. Um, but I genuinely, and I haven't had that with the book where I feel like I've properly been through it with with the book. And it was it was one of those books where I was cracking the spine because I was furious. I was cracking the spine because I was upset. I was cracking the spine because I was happy. You know, it was ridiculous. I mean, if I did a picture of where I'd put like markers of points that I needed to oh, think yeah. about, and afterwards yeah. I was like, my review is going to be as long as the book. <laughs> this is not going to go well. Um, but I think because I've gone through that, and then when I met Hanya and had a chat with her, one of the things I asked her was about the editing process, and she didn't want to edit it because she wanted it to have the emotion and the feelings that she had when she was writing it. Now, well, I th- whether that's a good <laughs> idea or not, I think is up to different people. For me, it worked spot on because I felt like I, I felt like I lived through it. I think for other people, they just were like, they wanted it. I don't know, more condensed, I suppose. I, I think it's then basically aimed at you. Yeah, no. Um, I think it could be done with an edit. I think a type. I think sometimes the the so in her credit, I'll say there were times when it was incredibly harrowing, incredibly upsetting, moving. You know, and you, people can obviously guess which parts those were. But other times, I found it rather strange. She kind of writes in a detached way, where she sort of just tells us Jude was upset and he went and cut himself, and Jude Jude was upset and such and such and I kept thinking don't tell me how the characters feel just show me how it was and I think I couldn't work out if she'd done that deliberately so it was sort of detached because that was the way sometimes Jude felt from life from everything else that he, you know he was I think he was kind of numb for a lot of it yeah yeah but I felt that that was also it wasn't just that he was numb I felt he was almost, he wasn't in, there wasn't a locked in syndrome, but there was certainly Mm. an emotional locked in syndrome. Yeah. But when you read 700 pages of a detached narrator, it kind of, I think the problem with this is it it kind of hits you you over the head. Did you think the narrator was detached the whole way through though? Because I didn't. I felt like the, I didn't know that at all because there isn't really a narrator. That's the kind of whole thing with it, which is quite, where it's quite an odd book because the other thing that I think, I've really liked about it, but I know a lot of people have not liked about it, is the book sort of sits in its own world, because whilst it's set in New York, and it's clearly recently, there's no mention of historical anything. There's no 9-11, there's no, no. financial crash. You, you could actually take take it and almost put it anywhere, sort of, you know, within a modern mm. setting, which felt slightly strange. I think my other problem was is that other than Jude, characters kind of just came and went as the plot sort of served its function. And I feel like some of them, like Harold or someone else like that, just had a his entire purpose there was sort of just to, to do things and help Jude, and then he'd just sort of vanish. And they kind of felt a bit cardboardy. It was sort of like, Harold is also a lawyer, and he that's basically his entire function. And If I was to be critical about it, which I felt I kind of... I can be, and it won't change the way. It was interesting actually because I was talking about this on Reader the other day because we were asked if we would if reading your favourite book once is enough. And mm. with this book, I think it is. I'm never going to read it again because I think if I did, I would go back and start to chip into it. And I think for me, this book was about the experience that I had reading it, which I'm never going to kind of replicate. But if I and if I look back at it, I can see that it is an imperfect novel. It just got me, or I yeah. got it, yeah. one or the other. Um, one of the things that I think probably was, for me, 
I thought the whole book was successful, but one of the lesser successful moments for me would have been the whole Harold storyline. I didn't feel... I couldn't quite work out what the purpose of it was other than for somebody else who... Or actually for somebody to... I think particularly Willem and Harold are there to show that Jude can be loved. Yeah, they are there to say... By a father and a lover in a... Sorry, that is a big spoiler with them, but people shouldn't be listening to Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and that was the other thing that I kind of thought was interesting with... See, this is where I think it's a clever book because it brings up so much, like in terms of the, the way it discusses sexuality and friendship and how that all bonds off each other. But I thought that the relationship with Harold was important because obviously he'd had such an awful time with brother Mark that he became his initial father figure... There needed to be some sort of look you can be loved by a father role, and that's fine. There's nothing ominous to it. Uh, Brother Luke, you mean? That's it, sorry, Brother Luke. Yeah. No, no, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm just making up characters that I'm throwing into the book. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm adding to it. Hanya will love it. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so um, that that I found interesting. But I also sort of thought, "Mm, sometimes did it need to be there? I think another small criticism I suppose I have was there's not really any women in it. Well, there's Anna, who's the one sort of nice person he meets, and then she dies. A lot of people die. Yeah. You could have called this book The Brief History of Seven. No, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think um, the other bit that I found... I mean, it's interesting, because with the four characters, really, it, it's JB and Malcolm who sort of fade into the background, and Malcolm particularly occasionally felt like a little bit of a... Why is he there? Well, um, he's, he's there so they can, they can go to... Fancy parties and... Well, he's also there because something horrendous mm. happens towards yeah. the end that he's involved with. So well, there, yeah, yeah. there are those elements. <laughs> and, and I can see what you mean about sometimes seeing that the characters are there for the plot. But then that's how books work. I guess sometimes you saw it in a rough, obvious, raw way. Yeah. And again, I didn't mind that. Well, as I started reading this with the four characters in New York, and then they all become wildly successful... I did sit there and think to myself, I've seen a television show like this a couple of years ago, which featured four women living in New York. <laughs> and It's definitely not a male version of Sex and the City. Though. It's not, but it was a bit... In a way, it is, because it, they, like you said, it does exist in this weird bubble, and they're all very, they all suddenly become very successful. Willem becomes this, you know, mega star, and then Jude's got this high-flying Lord career, and JB um, gets his galleries and Malcolm designs JB and uh, sorry Jude and William this fantastic house and they're all having parties in New York and I was a bit like yeah well there's two points I've got to that one and one is the fact that it's in some ways and I I can in some ways see this in some ways because I'm a big fan of the fairy tale but it is it has got a fairy tale element to it in terms of its this aspirational thing but in fairness, if you go to New York, the people who actually live in New York, like properly live in New York, mm. are ridiculously successful people because they're the only people who can afford to live there. Well, that is true. Um, so yeah. that that bit for me, I was like, no, actually, I get that. And it was only because having been to New York the year before, if I hadn't been for a while, I'd have forgotten that because you forget that all the people you see in the streets and stuff have to go to Brooklyn or further afield in order to actually <laughs> be there, or invariably they're tourists. Um but it was that um, and the whole fact that they don't mention 9-11 once and they all blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's no, kind of... I this, get that. No, yeah. I completely get that. But I think with the successful thing, it did annoy me initially. Again, this is what I'm saying about why it was so such a weird book for me because just to begin with, four college blokes all slightly annoyed me to start off with 
and then they were all really successful and it was all a bit too but then I suppose this sense of menace and dread yeah. that's underlying that was the bit that got me because I like I like a quite I admit I like a really dark book I like a book <laughs> that's got kind of a gothic persuasion which I think A Little Life has and not many people have said but I think it is quite a gothic novel um, in fact actually if you look at Victorian sensation novels it's kind of a domestic version of that I think. Yeah. Well, um, it's like a New York sensation novel. Um, well, I had it as an American. For me, it becomes one of these American misery memoirs. Oh, you know, see, you, now that now I disagree. Mm, well, then it's but it's not. But because I think that's often. But this is where it kind of all gets mixed up because I think so. As, as I said, as, as the book went on, I was. I was very intrigued as to what has happened to Jude. That's basically what you start off with. And then he's kind of, the story of his life unfolds. And so you, you see his, you see him through childhood, you see him, and it's kind of catching up to where he is now, and then it kind of moves forward a bit more. If I think I, I think I got that right. Yeah. But it's like when you actually sit down and think that the life that Jude had, that's where it all started to fall apart. Like I understand that people can have terrible lives, but it's just the sheer sort of separate incidents that when you line them one after, one after the other, including the, the bit where I, I laughed out loud, we, we can get this at the end, I laughed out loud and I think I messaged you and you said, oh no, you cried? And I was like, oh, we are seeing this book quite differently, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, you see, this is the thing that's irked me quite a lot about other reviews that I've seen of the books, and it's when it says that they can't believe that something like that could happen to anybody that they couldn't go through that much awful stuff but some people do and actually it's astonishingly bad luck (laughs) but it isn't just bad luck it's it's about it's about the repercussions of a first incident of bad luck and how that that can unravel for somebody because i think what what i think a lot of people found uncomfortable about the book as well as what some people didn't like about the book was the fact that normally there is some sort of redemption somebody who's been through a really really horrible childhood has been abused whatever will end up being this really and he does end up being incredibly successful and so there's that element but what she does which i think is is bang on is the fact that some people don't end up like that some people mm may seem on the outside to be fine but internally aren't and i think it's quite confronting when people it it's not that sort of the big the big theme for the book for me was about survival but why do we have to be survivors and in most books you read it's about the story of survival for somebody who you know went through all the odds against all odds they kind of came up through it all and they became a really successful person and they were happy and wonderful and blah 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 that's the fairy tale element what I think she does is turn around and say, actually, there are a lot of people who don't. There are a lot of people who do kill themselves. There are a lot of people who don't want to live. There are a lot of people who do go through all of yeah. that. But society tells you you have to keep going. You should, you know, you should feel privileged to be alive. You should feel privileged to be on this earth. And what I thought was fascinating about the book was the fact that it's very much a book about, but why should you? Yeah, it's like oh, yeah. people are I mean, ill with cancer and they're told, mm. you know, you've got to beat it. Well, what if you don't? Does that make you a failure? No, it just make, means the cancer was too strong. And I think with Jude, it's about he's forced and forced and forced and forced and forced to cope and conform as much as he can. But actually, why should he? If he's really that unhappy and he really doesn't want to live, why should he have to live? And eventually, I think he comes to live for other people more than he does himself. 
Well, yeah, I think that's my interpretation of the book. And for a while, it took me a while to actually figure out what was what was the point of this. What was this? What was what did I read seven hundred pages to get to? You know what I mean? I was trying to make sense of what had just happened. And I think it, I think you, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, that's exactly how I'd put it. Is that you know in the end, Jude just decided you know that was it. I think, but what 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 got to me was it was just his entire life as a whole was absolutely so batshit mad in what happened to him that I couldn't believe. I'd actually, if if less things had happened to him and he had struggled, I would have believed that more. I mean, if you think about it, so first of all, he's abandoned and dumped. Mm-hmm. Then he's suddenly taken in by a, to a monastery. That's my first bit where you have to leap of faith because like, why, why wouldn't, I just yeah. thought, in my head, it was compared to what happened in a lot of Ireland. And then... People would end up in monasteries or nunneries or orphanages. So that happens. Then he's abused while he's there. He then escaped. He then escapes with Brother Luke, and he's basically pimped out. He's there, he then escapes, and he gets picked up by... So I'm not even sure if he was a real psychiatrist... Well, the man Whatever. ends up shutting him in the basement, which is all very yeah. weird. And then who runs him over? He then, um, is at that point he then goes to university? Well, he ends up just, get, yeah, he gets run over yeah. him. And then I can't remember how he ends up getting to university, but he does. He then, and there's then, Caleb. Oh, the whole Caleb, that made me feel physically sick, the whole thing. That, and that for me was, again, another moment that I won't forget in fiction. Because I just thought that was... And, you know, I thought it was braver to do that because that is unflinchingly horrible. Well, yeah, that... But I was like, he keeps escaping and then falling into the same thing just out of sheer bad luck. And I don't know, if you, if you took out any one of those incidences, it, you know, it, I, I don't know. But do and you then, feel that he ends up in this sort of cycle because of his own feeling of self-worth, which he doesn't have? Because he's constantly being told, you're so lovable, you're da and people see the best in him, because that's nicely what most of society is, to be fair, like, overall. I, I, I think partly, yeah, he is sort of, he feels so down on himself that he kind of, these situations, he finds himself in these situations. The other times it's like, you know, he, he could have, anyone could have helped him out after he escaped, but he just happens to be a nutty psychiatrist who then also decides to abuse him. But I think, I think... And then, and then, vulnerable person. Yeah. But then it was like, okay, and then he's best friend, he starts having a relationship with his best friend, who becomes like, one of the world's biggest movie stars, and then, this is the bit which, where my, this is the bit we were talking about, where I texted you, where I was just like, there was a moment where, that bit when Willem, um, yeah, Willem and Malcolm get into the car, and I, I thought to myself, Captain Gessington was here, and I thought, I know what she's like. She cannot possibly give Jude a happy ending, so she's going to kill him in the car. And then, one paragraph later, dead. And for me, I was like, no, sorry, you've pushed it. I, I thought when that happened... It was funny. I was <laughs> gutted, because... No, you see, I cried because I was such a fan of Willem. The whole well, movie. yeah. I was yeah. gutted. That, and also because I genuinely felt like I knew these people. And yeah, okay, he is a Hollywood actor and that's possibly stretching it too far, blah, blah, blah. But again, it's really successful people in New York where only really successful people in New York can live. Or in really, really successful can afford to live in New York, that's what I mean. Um, and for me, I think 
it's interesting, isn't it? I think there are certain points with books where they will push your, they'll push people's belief system a little bit too far. Mm. Um, it was interesting because I was uh, reading some reviews of a book that I've been trying to review desperately and will have probably gone live by the time this goes live, um, which is a book called Black Ass by A. Igoni Barrett. And um, I started the book, and the whole book is that the character wakes up and is overnight turned white instead of being black. Yeah. And um, the, he, he just he doesn't scream or anything, he just panic takes over him. But then he, he worries about how he's got to get to an interview and how he's not going to let his family see him. I went along with that. I saw a review where somebody said, Really, if you woke up in the morning and you changed colour, do you not think that going to a job interview might be the least of your worries? <laughs> and I hadn't even spotted it because I was too lost in that book had got me straight away. And I think with this one, the further it took me, I think once you get to a certain point, you know that she's not done with taking you through the ringer and that she's going to, and you know what's going to happen at the end realistically. You yeah. know what the, the final moment's going to be. And I think you know that from quite early on. Um, but there's just a bit of you that hopes that it will be like the Hollywood ending. And that's what I also really respected it for. It's the total opposite of the Hollywood ending. It is like, how many awful things can somebody go through until enough is enough? Yeah, I think it was just one too many nasty and things. I, and I, do you yeah. know what? I, I, can, I can totally understand why. But it didn't happen to me. And that's what I find so fascinating about this book, because, and probably why I called it the Marmite book, in terms of there are so many people who just, it doesn't matter what you throw it or how disbelievable it might be, and I'm doing air quotes, um, people still go through it. And I, I think, um, I came up with this the other day and I was talking about it at an event, um, I think people who've been through really, really, really harrowing stuff at some point in their life get it to a certain degree. And I'm not yeah, saying Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I think the people who haven't, don't and I also had a theory that if you're from quite a safe middle class background, this book will shock the, the oh, and this will <laughs> shock the bejesus out of you because it's That's so hard to see life in its raw ugliness, which is what this book does. But what I think is fascinating about it is is that I don't think she criticises or not once did I feel voyeuristic while I was reading it, which I think is massively important. I didn't feel like she was doing it for any. I'm going to try and write the most shocking book of all time. I thought she felt she needed to tell the story of somebody or or people in society who do go through awful times, but might not do it in the most stereotypical way. I wouldn't agree with that completely. I think at times it, it did. I did feel a bit like I was, well, I was finding it hard to read, but at times I did think perhaps she's, doing a bit too much or not that you shouldn't show these things but i think just the way because the way i said it was written slightly detached if you have a detached narrator describing horrible things and it's not commenting on what's happening then you can get the impression that it's just like a camera lens focusing down on something and i think because i was struggling to believe it all i did almost feel like i would like you were she was a bit of a voyeur twisting the knife and I don't think she was getting a kick out of it. But you know what I mean? Like, you can get caught up in the writing process, especially, well, like you said before, she didn't want it to be edited. So that is kind of the point, that she she wanted that moment to be there. And I did feel a bit, sometimes, that this was a bit of a risky move. But there you go. No, and again, I can, 
I'm going to be really annoying for the whole of this episode. I'm just going, <laughs> again, I totally understand where you're coming from, which is so unlike me, but I totally do. Because I can't, and this is where I find it really interesting. If people can come to me with, like, I make it sound like I'm the god or the, the king of a little life, and I'm not. But what I mean is, because I've been such a kind of cheerleader of it, and such a, it's such a great book, um, and such an important book, more is probably the better way of putting it. I don't think it, I, it's a, it's a book that I like. It's really odd. I've been looking at books of the year, and obviously this is pretty up there, um, and will probably be my book of the year. But um, it's really hard when you say that because you think, what must people think I'm like if this <laughs> book about something so horrendous is my book of the year? Um, but uh, what was my point then? Um, no, if people can come to me and say, right, this is why I had an issue with it, and they do it in a really, like you have, in a really like intelligent and thought way i have Thank no problem much. it's when people just go this book was rubbish this book was you know voyeuristic this book was oh i couldn't even bear to read it because i knew it was going to be bad i've got no time for that because i just sit and think you're not actually saying anything constructive about it you're not trying to look at what the book is trying to achieve and actually if you can't even read a book that's that uncomfortable I, well i've got views on that because um, I think oh, yeah. I don't I don't think reading should be comfortable. I kind of think I think it should be sometimes because sometimes you just want an escapist Agatha Christie or you know Agatha Raisin. But <laughs> but I think you do need books that confront you and that make you really think. And I think this book does, regardless of whether you love it, kind of like it, can't quite work it out, or really hate it. At least you're having a massive reaction to it. Yeah. As opposed to just I hated it. I've got nothing more to say on it. It's just badly written. Blah blah blah. No, Thomas, that's not aimed at you, but it is a little bit. Um, well, I'm going to sound like a, a parent talking to a teenager, which is that I'm not angry. I'm just very disappointed in that I think that <laughs> there was there was things that this book says that is important and that it's it's showing you things that I wouldn't normally read, you know? Yeah. And I just felt like, oh, it was kind of a bit of a missed opportunity. It's not perfect. But it's interesting um, that you say yeah. a missed opportunity. What do you mean? I think I think what we've discussed is that it talks about important things and it doesn't do the Hollywood ending and life isn't like a Hollywood film, even though some of these bits could quite easily be in a Hollywood film. You know, the, the affluent lifestyle, but just because you're successful and you think you've got a group of friends around you. And, I mean, Jude was... Jude was loved. That's the whole point of Willem and that was the whole point of Harold, that they just accepted him for who he was. You know, they didn't need to know what he'd been through they loved him but for him that wasn't enough and i think there's a bit doesn't he say at one point that why does the first 15 years of my life have to define the rest of me or something like that and uh, but you know that the book that the question's asking all I yeah that's sort of what i mean i think that yeah so the book's actually asking like questions that are interesting and that we should all be thinking about you know and just because someone's smiling doesn't mean they're happy on the inside you know what i mean and then it just sort of became a bit, it just got too over the top for me and I couldn't buy it. And that's why I mean, if it had been a shorter book with less, with less tragedy happening to Jude, but with the same outcome, I think I would have liked it more. Mm, I suppose for me it's what, and again, I can see where you come from, um, which is going to annoy listeners because they probably want me to go, they probably just want me to hang up and throw everything on the floor and yeah, cry. Yeah, people were expecting a fight, weren't they? Sorry. It may, <laughs> it may still happen. <laughs> no, but I think, I think for me with this, with this book, I think it wasn't just all, it wasn't just about your story. I mean, partly it obviously is, but I think because it, it's a book that's so much about class, disability, sexuality, race, gender, mm. 
everything. Yeah. It is a book about all of those things, and that's such a hard thing to pull off. And I think she does really well. But I think the reason that, that what I think she's trying to work out, and why I think Jude keeps having to go through so much, and she makes him go through. And what's interesting is she said he's a fictional character, so she didn't really have a problem doing whatever she needed to do to him because he was the point of the book. Yeah. Um, which I think sometimes is is again where people are like, I think one of her editors tells me about you need to make it, you need to be less ruthless with him or something, and that wasn't in. Uh, you read the book, I read that somewhere. And she was like, no, that's what, that's the purpose of him. And that probably shows because of the, because of it being so raw and being literally as she wrote it pretty much. Um, but I think it shows you what is the point where somebody physically breaks full stop, end of. Not breaks and gets over it and breaks and get over it as we're meant to. You know, and yeah. we're told to from however old we are that we're told, you know, you must strive to, to, you know, carry on and do your best and, take whatever life throws at you what what does it take to actually get to the point where you are done and i think yeah yeah it could have happened a little bit earlier probably but i think the whole willem thing had to happen because really willem was his final anchor i thought even ha- even i don't even think harold was his final anchor i think willem was but then also th- that was the other thing that i found really fascinating about the book was that it looks at love in all of its forms which is fantastic but it, it takes a really unusual look at sex yeah. Just in terms of what is it like if you're just not bothered? Mm. And why why is it that you must be bothered? It, and I found that, again, it did that with sex, it did that with love, it did that with survival. Why do you have to be loved? Why do you need to feel loved? Why do you need to... And I think because all of that was going off in my head, plus the whole thing about when do you talk about certain things and when is it appropriate and all of that. I think for me, I just got so immersed in all of the thoughts, all of the lives and all of the pretty much every element of it just worked even though weirdly at the beginning I didn't think it was going to <laughs> and I also had that hump that people talk about which is like around page is it like page 200 and something where people say that's the point where they either carry on or don't um, and I remember somebody saying to me keep going so oh. I don't think at the start I thought I was going to love it as much as I did because I just kind of went along with it and then suddenly I think it was around 250 I just suddenly was like I'm in now and I can't stop but there's not. There must have been something before that because not a lot of books would you give to page 250 to keep going. Well, no, because yeah, that's almost well. That's about a third of the way in, isn't it? But the other bit that I don't like is that people say it's badly written, and I don't agree with that at all. I think some bits clunk, and I think but I don't think it's bad writing. I think that's probably raw writing. Well, I don't know. I was surprised. Well, talking about the book or not, we're talking about the book of shortlisting. I was, can you be surprised and not surprised at the same time? Uh, <laughs> I was surprised yes. because I thought the book, as I said, falls apart towards the end and it's not a perfect book. But then I wasn't surprised because it has had this groundswell of, oh my God, this is amazing. And, you know, it, it's, it's a literary book. There's, you can't take that away, you know, but I didn't think it was going to win at any point. See, I did for the, and, and again, I think this is something that, is is an odd one to describe. It's a bit like you're saying, how can you be surprised and surprised? <laughs> um, I admit it's not the most perfectly written book in terms of writing, in air quotes, but the emotional experience it delivers with that writing is unbelievable for me, not for everybody. And again, for me, it was the experience I had reading that book that will never leave me and the way I felt 
the way I still feel about it when I think back on it, all of that sort of stuff. I've not had that happen with the book before, where it, it's almost become ingrained with my life at that point, and also yeah. harked back to things in my life. To, so, and, and I think there are some books that you know may not be the best written book in the world, but the emotional connection you have with it or the experience you have reading it is just it chimes it gets you you get it end of and i think this is one of those books that if it gets you it will get you and that's it It, you'll be with it forever um and i think it is that point that we discussed about when willem dies that i think is that point where and i wonder actually if that's part of it you know jude is broken at that point and severed from the world so i wonder if you're supposed to slightly sever yourself from the book Oh, I don't know about that. Too deeply yeah. at it. I don't Maybe. Know. Well, I, I mean, I think it's, about that. I think it's an yeah. I can't. It's an experience to read it. I I I do think some bits aren't that great, and she does rely a bit on a, the odd simile here and there. And I didn't like the detached narration. I really. I know it's, it's almost as if there's something between you and them the whole time. But see, I didn't get that. It's so interesting. Mm, but no, yeah. I genuinely find it really fascinating because mm. I think it is one of those books where. Um, I don't mind if people don't like it. I just am fascinated as to why or or what didn't work for them just because it did so much. But that's what's great about books, I suppose. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be told how they felt. I want you to show me right, okay. how they feel and let me work it out themselves. Besides, you know, I, have both. I think I had that both where she's telling you. But obviously because I would get so upset about it. or Although what was funny with it, I cried the first time that I cried in the book. It was with happy tears. <laughs> Oh. I remember that really vividly. I was like, hang on a minute, this isn't the right effect. <laughs> this isn't yeah. what I was expecting. Because also that's the thing as well that I feel bad is that people are told before they start it now, this book will probably break you. Or they're told you'll either love it or hate it. And I'm adding to that. And it's kind of, it's it's weird because uh, we're talking about this with the Green Carnation and Marlon James. Some people said to me, oh, you know, that book's become a phenomenon. So the book's almost got a life outside the book. And it's really this, odd this when has, that happens yeah. with books. Yeah. I think this has done the same. It's got a life outside of its... It's got a, a big life outside of its little life. Although I'm still got, not quite sure why it's called a little life. Um, and also, his life isn't little, but then I suppose he feels his life is little. Yeah, I think I think that... I was trying to figure out that out as well, and I couldn't quite... I'm sure she must be on record somewhere saying that. I think it, he feels like he's got a little life when, in actual fact, he becomes successful. He, people know who he is. He's loved, and... But it doesn't really matter to him. He still feels insignificant or something. Do you know what, maybe that's it. I don't know. Who can say? I suppose we need to do what we normally do with books when we do it with mm. Rob and Kate, which is that amazing Even question. Gavin Kate. Yeah. Who did I say? With Rob and Kate. Oh, sorry. I forgot <laughs> who you were. Good day. Yeah. <laughs> I've blanked you now from existence because you didn't love it. So just is this, uh, would you recommend this? Is that what you're... Yeah, that's where I was going, because I was going to say, we're also mentioning what we're reading at the moment, because that's what we normally yeah. do in the middle of the show, but instead we're going to do it at the end of the show. But, yeah, would we recommend it? Because it's interesting, because we talked about this a bit off-air before we started. Rob, would you recommend yeah. it? Yeah. Would I recommend it? Um, I want to just edit it so you go, yeah, because I came later. I get the, I get the edit on this, I'm afraid. Um, would I recommend it? Well, the thing is, who is reading it? Is it someone who knows that this is a harrowing book, or, you know what Hang I mean? On. Who works for Waterstones? You should know who's reading it. 
Who, who are we recommending this to? Is the question. Is this to our general listeners, or is it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't read it again, um, and I don't know if I could say I even enjoyed the experience. But then, is this a book that you're meant to enjoy? I don't know. It's a book that you're meant to experience. I would possibly say yes, you should read it. But there are, as with many things, there are there are caveats to it. It's not a perfect book. But actually, I, I, this is a book where you probably do need to say to someone, are you going to be all right reading some of this? Because like you said about trip warnings, yeah. it's, it's, it's unpleasant. <laughs> so can I give it a maybe? Oh, maybe I will. Defense, why don't you? <sighs> this is where we fall out. <laughs> but you clearly would recommend it. I would, um, I would. I would recommend it. I would say it's not the perfect book, but it's a book that if you go with it and just let yourself go along with it and see what happens, which is hard to do now that it has such a life outside of itself, um, then I think it's an experience that you won't forget. I can't say you're going to enjoy it, but um, you're certainly going to experience it. And I think it's the prime example of where a book becomes an experience rather than just a book that you read. The easiest thing to say is, go read this and you'll see what all the fuss is about. And what that fuss is, is entirely up for readers to decide. They yeah, might think or, it's, yeah or, yeah. or go and read this and see what you make of it. It's probably the, yeah. See, see what, what you get out of it or don't get out of it. And then come and tell us and tell me how amazing I am and what a great choice it is to read because it's the experience that you've been waiting for with the book forever. And then come to me and we'll have a good giggle over Willem. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, if people haven't already read it, they're totally not going to, if they've got this far, yeah. they'll just be like, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> that's so a tweet. If you can't be bothered to read a little life, just come and listen to Simon and Rob. Um, so yeah, so no, I would recommend it, but I would just say again, it's one of those books that I have recommended to a lot of people, and I've said it's a book I almost can't say is a favourite book because it's not the sort of book that you can say that about. Mm. I just it's it's an experience I won't ever forget, which just sounds like a massive, massive, massive cliche, but it's true. That's how I. That's the only way I can put it. I think what possibly irked me was when you, when you, it was your book of the decade comment, and I was you like, know, though I think I think it's probably going to be. I think in a, I I think in ten years' time, if you say to me, Simon, which book do you remember? Mm. This will be the one that I'll say first. That's what I meant. Yeah, I just thought that's a very bold, brave statement to make. But I think it's true. I don't. I genuinely don't. I I. I don't tend to say sort of outlandish statements that often, really. No, of course. <laughs> not on that level. Yeah. Sometimes occasionally outlandish quips, but not something like that. But I, I genuinely, and they, they don't forget that, like, between me having read it and reviewing it, there was four months, three months, four months. So I had had time to have that whole set, let it settle down and see how it mm. went. Um, and I still felt that, that way then. And if you ask me now, yes, it's one of my, it will be one of the best books I've read. No, not the best book. It's one of the best experiences I've ever had reading a book. I, I don't think I'd, uh, it'll be hard to beat this experience that I lived through with that book. So, yeah, so you can't say, say, you can't, you can't say it's one of the best books you read. But you can say it's no. one of the most. So, but, but what I mean is it's, it's, one of the best reading experiences of, not best because best sounds like yeah. I got off on it and I didn't but then I suppose it, or maybe I should have said visceral 
which, yeah. is, which is a phrase I really hate. Okay, it's the most visceral book I'll read this decade. So I think, annoyingly, we've actually kind of met halfway now. Well, no, because I still think it's a corking book. And like it is, yeah, but you can't say it's the best book. That's what, what this is. What I think you're... it will be one. I think it will yeah. be one of the best books I've ever read because of the experience. But I don't. But best is a really difficult word because best means that I think it's the. It's not that I don't think it's the best writing. It's not that I don't think it's the best story. I think it's the sort of subject matter that you can't describe as best, even though it kind of is. See, I'm thinking. I I I'm kind of coming at from the other side, which is like. Yes, I think this is a book that you have to experience, but at the same time, I don't think it's perfect, and I think it has some flaws. So no, I, think, I don't think it's perfect. But I, I think, think we're kind of halfway on either side of the same point, if you see what I mean. We're on, we're, I yeah. think we're both halfway on the side of it's... T- we're, we're headed to more. It's a great book experience. Would, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, I don't know. It's really hard because if you ask me what's my book of the year, it's going to be A Little Life. Uh, yeah, as in the book. But then does that fall into best or what? Or does it expect a blog post on me? <laughs> expect a blog post on me? No. <laughs> expect a blog post from me on this matter, probably at the beginning of January, because I'm going to have to really think about this now. Robin Simon, argue over the word best for 10 minutes. There we go. Yes. That's good. <laughs> Great listening for everyone. Um, as a reward for them listening that far, <laughs> Rob, what are you reading right now? Well, uh, as we I'm... record this, because this will probably go live between Christmas and New Year. What I'm reading right now is a book that uh, you discussed not that long ago, actually. Uh, I'm reading William Boyd's Any Human Heart. Ooh. Now, I watched the TV adaptation of this, ooh, about whenever it was on, uh, two or three years ago, which is rather unusual for me because I tend to avoid a book adaptation if I know I'm going to read it at some point ever, sort of thing. But I ended up watching it. It was on a Channel 4 Sunday night drama slot and i really enjoyed the tv version i've heard people nitpick about it but i didn't know any better and i've been meaning to read it for quite some time and i'm only about 30 pages in uh so far really enjoying it i did not listen to your episode of the readers because even though i've watched the tv show i'm paranoid about spoilers um so i don't even know did you enjoy it (laughs) i did i did okay um i'm liking the diary entry style uh or the journal style i guess more um i like the fact that it's um kind of self-aware that it's a book because you get the little footnotes yeah the sort of dots things in so and i know the general gist of the story because i've seen the tv version but um yeah I, as someone who I, I also had a bit of a reading slump but you can read because sometimes like a day of his life is sort of condensed into you know a page so i can actually dip in and out quite easily it's only my second william boyd but yeah i'm really enjoying it so far it's interesting because that one was Mike. It's like Michael from That's Michael, the Night yeah. Stun's favourite book of all time, um, and I was really worried about it. And I went, why was that? Is there anything away? Um, because if somebody says that, I'm naturally like, oh, oh I'm right, like yeah. it. <laughs> I thought you had a thing against the book. <laughs> no, but also then it's like, and what if what if I have to sit in front of people and say, actually, Michael, your choice of books are dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you know it's one of those books that clearly and, and I think it's a book that for him he felt like he lived through and actually it's a book that I felt I lived through um, which obviously I clearly like uh, I, I thought it was very funny yeah, self aware in a brilliant way rather than mm. in a pretentious way and uh, you've got some great reading ahead of you with that one um, I think that's going to take me through Christmas 
I have not reviewed it at all, and actually I'm now sat there thinking, oh, that's another review I need to try and squeeze in before Christmas, because <laughs> coming to, to my books of the year lists, that's probably going to be on one of them. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's a great book. Uh, the one I am reading at the moment is uh, The Queen of Mystery, Agatha Christie, and Then There Were None, um, which is, I'm reading it because it's on at Christmas. <laughs> Yes, and I thought, oh, I ought to read it before I watch it. <laughs> um, what I'm finding interesting about it is the sort of latent racism that's in it, which I wasn't expecting. But I think we talked about this, didn't we, when we did the Hear This episode way back with yes. um, the Detective Club or whatever. The floating the dreadful people Admiral. called. Yeah. Um, and what I am enjoying about it is there is no question she's a genius with plot. There is no question she's not amazing at characters, because <laughs> um, they're all a bit the same. I keep forgetting who's who until they die. Um, but what I think, and uh, but what I have to keep remembering is this book was written of a time, yeah. and I don't agree with those thoughts. I don't agree with what she says occasionally, but that was the time. And actually, what's interesting is um, I was talking about this on Twitter uh, with the author Ruth Ware, and yeah. To Alison Hennessy, who does a lot of crime fiction, and they were saying there's some really interesting articles about actually what she's doing with the viewpoints that she's putting across is showing you how idiotic they are. Mm. But when people initially read it, it's so uncomfortable that they go, "Oh my god, she's being racist!" When actually her character is being racist. And there is, is that, that um, is that quite forward thinking for the time? Do you think? Or? If if that was the way she was doing it, yes. Yeah. And um, but actually since somebody said that yesterday and then I read another section and it's what this one particular character, I'm like, I think that's actually right. (laughs) He's odious and what he says is odious and he's got certain views on women that I'm like, whereas before I was just going, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, she's just said X about X. Uh, That's not right. Whereas now I'm thinking, hang on a minute, no, which if you gave me a book by a modern author now and they did it, I'd automatically go, oh, look, they're being really clever. Yeah. And highlighting the fact that that's a stupid way to think. Whereas because of the time it's that, I'm like, oh, the Christie filth. (laughs) (laughs) Where actually she's probably being really, really clever and I was not being aware of how clever she was being. Um, But I just think it's great great, because it's one of those books that's, it's a lock mystery. It's 10 people, well, 12 people on an island. Each one's going to die. But who's killing them and why? Hmm? Clever. I'm quite looking forward to that on Christmas on the TV. I'd say read it, I would say read it first because you'll whiz through it. Like I've I've been able to devour what fifty pages today within the space of about thirty minutes. Oh right, I'll it's, it's predominantly out. dialogue. Okay, I'll figure out when it's on and I'll try and do that. Boxing Day. What? There we go. Okay. So been and gone, and well, I'm sure we'll have watched it and loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because people are concerned how. They're going to get around the, some of the attitudes of the time in the TV show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how they do that. But yeah. So um, that's what I'm reading now. But I'm really looking forward to just reading quite a lot over Christmas. I'll get my reading group back, I think, properly at Christmas because it's just time off. I've only got about four days off, so we shall see. I've got 12. Um, all right. So anyway. I'm this gonna... is where we have an argument now. <laughs> yeah, this is where we suddenly kick off and debate holidays for 10 minutes. Um, uh, we will hopefully be back with Here Read This in the spring. That's what we're saying because it makes us have to make decisions. Yes, well, we, we, we're definitely going to sit down and have a think about it may come back in a new style, in a new format perhaps, but uh, we have so much fun doing these that it would be a shame to, to leave it off any longer. 
Exactly. And if you've missed it, you need to go back and listen to Adventures with Words with Rob and Kate on their Christmas special. Well, and read, listen to it anyway. Um, but uh, those two little special guests, I think, at Christmas, somehow people broke into my house and we all ended up playing <laughs> Book Chase, which was the most fun I've ever had. Have I said the right title of the game? Now? It is called Book Chase, yes. Thank you, thank you, Simon. Available, <laughs> available online and... Various charity shops. Various charity shops around the world. Uh, but yeah, so you need to go back and listen to that because that was really good fun. Uh, if you've missed it, this is where I have to try and fit in all the different podcasts. Um, if you've missed it, me and Michelle Faber are talking about his book, uh, The Book of Strange New Things. I think that's what it's called. I've probably got that wrong. You met him. <laughs> I did. Anyway, that's that's gone live on You Wrote the Book. And I think... Me and Thomas have been talking about, or we'll be just about to talk about, seven books that we're trying to get the other one to read within the next year. Mm. And Gav and I will also be on the readers talking about the books to look forward to in the first half of 2016. Rob and Kate, or just Rob, will you <laughs> be doing your books of 2015? Yes, so two? as this goes live, I think we'll have just talked about, we'll have done a discussion on Star Christmas Wars. Special. We'll have done the Christmas special, which also doubles... Unfortunately, we didn't realise till afterwards. That's our 150th episode. Happy 150th. Do you know what? I was sat there when you told me that, and I was like, hang on a minute, how are we only on 140 whatever bits? Because we're fortnightly. You're fortnightly, aren't you? So, yes, the Christmas special with you and Gav and Kate, where we uh, play board, play a board game and chat book stuff. That'll be on Christmas Day. And then on New Year's Day, we'll be doing our books of the year. But it's a special, like, an awards uh, we give we give out certain awards, including the uh, Simon Savage Best Nazi Award. I in, forget in, that that exists. Can is. I just say, <laughs> can we give that a little bit of context if people have never heard us before? Well, I think you once accused me of only reading books with Nazis in. Exactly. Which is a and what blatant said lie. Was that you only read books about books, <laughs> and I'm not famous for liking them because I have an aversion to Nazi books. But so we did all we did not, all love. It's not that that's my way of thinking. But we did all love H H H H. So. We did, we did. I've had a few books that, about World War, you know, two that I thought were alright. So anyway, we um, we have that award in your honour. I uh, can't wait to hear what book's <laughs> going to get that one this year. And then, um, yes, that'll be on New Year's Day where we look back on the books of 2015. We've just done a podcast on what comes out in January. I'm going to do that sort of every month. And then we'll be back onto our regular Sunday scheduling. And are you going to be making any New Year's resolutions? Because I think me and Tom's going to talk about... I want to do a bit of... Um, me and Tom's haven't recorded it yet, but I want to do a bit of a shoulda, woulda, coulda, the books that we should have read in 2015 that we didn't, because I have like a stack of those. And then also what resolutions that we're planning on making in 20... Yeah, I think we will. That sounds like a good idea. Look forward and look back on, on the new year, I think. Yeah, I'll let you have that one. Thanks. <laughs> Pleasure. Um, but that's it from us. We'll be back, hopefully, at the end of January. I've made it, I've just changed it from spring to the end of January. <laughs> We're going to do it for the end of January, uh, when we'll be back with a new, improved, even more fun, but probably just as ropey occasionally, here read this, with Kate, Gav, me and Rob. Yeah. Well, Simon, it was good to talk. We didn't have a falling out. We didn't, we didn't. And do you know what? This could be the start of a whole new podcast. It could if be. Gav and Kate don't want to bother. We can just start something ourselves. There, I've said it. Send us tweets if you want to, if you, if Simon, you want Simon and I to go solo. Go together. solo and have a, a slightly ropey conversation together. Uh, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Bye. Bye. Bye.